You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on the Bucks. I am your host, Kane Pittman, joined by the founder of Brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. This, well, actually, it's it's not quite after midnight. I was about to say the after midnight edition of Locked on Bucks. Yana showed up for work tonight, and I'm not sure if too many other Bucks players did, but we'll get to that in a second. Today's episode is brought to you by Endochino. Endochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. Start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at endochino.com when entering Locked On at the checkout. Frank, uh, I I spent a lot of time yesterday on the solo pod talking about Kawhi Leonard uh, being missing from this game. That was clearly the big storyline coming in. We didn't know until the game started tonight that the Bucs would also be uh, missing Chris Middleton. Oh man, I mean, I'm trying to. Th- I, I'm amazed he had 13 points. It felt like <laughs> Me he had, too. you know, Me too. it felt like he had like negative eight points. Um, this was one of the worst performances I can remember him having. I mean, this, you know, I think we've we, there were a lot of LA nightlife jokes on the timeline, but I mean, this was just <laughs> this was just dreadful. I mean, you know, going under. I mean, I think maybe a part of it might have been a tactical thing, but like Beverly hit some threes with him going under. Uh, under screens, um, some terrible passes, just lazy fouls, and just like, I mean, three out of 13, 0 for 5 from three. Um, does end up with 13 points because he went 7 out of 8 from the foul line, including two big free throws when the Bucks were up two. I think it was what, um, how much time was left? Like 12 seconds left or something on that order. Yeah. Um, so, you know, again, he was uh, he eventually scored a few points, <laughs> but, um, you know, very forgettable night for Chris Middleton, but um, the MVP was <laughs> the MVP and then some with 38 points, 16 rebounds, nine assists, two steals, two blocks, uh, career high tying four threes. He, Giannis had four out of, he was four out of 23 from three coming into this game. He doubles his three pointers on the season in this game. Um, so he's now uh, eight out of, 30 on the season. I think that's like 27% or so. So he's creeping back up towards something vaguely respectable and 14 out of 18 from the free throw line. Uh, I think he bumped his percentage up to like 64% from the foul line tonight. So um, yes, uh, did have an air ball, but hit his first six free throws. uh, And obviously, um, you know, ultimately 78% tonight. Can't complain about that given the way things have been going. So 
Giannis was, I'd say, the story, but um, also can't say enough about George Hill's performance off the bench, right. 24 points, six out of seven on threes, and Eric Bledsoe uh, was really hot from three early as well. He finished with 20 points on eight out of 14 shooting, four of eight from three. Um, so yeah, it was uh, it, it was feast or famine uh, in terms of uh, <laughs> performances tonight. It was it was I would say feast from Giannis uh, Hill, Bledsoe, and and Kyle Korver also got into the act with four out of seven threes for 14 points, and uh, everyone else famine. Wes Matthews zero points, Middleton bad, Brooke Lopez great defensively, but four out of 12 uh, from uh, from the field, 11 points. Um, you know, Urson just two points, didn't hit a shot. Uh, Dante DiVincenzo didn't hit a shot. Pat Connaughton didn't hit a shot in 14 minutes each. So yeah, it was, uh, let's just say, you know, with, without Kawhi, it was a game that you felt like you really wanted to win. Obviously this is a talented Clippers team. I think regardless, we saw that tonight. Um, but yeah, this is a game that you really want to steal given, given the circumstances and given the way the Bucks have been playing and, you know, they played from the front for, you know, pretty much, the vast majority, pretty much the entirety of this game, it felt like, with a few exceptions, and um, things got a little bit hairy there in the final minute or two. But uh, hey, road wins on the West Coast. I, I'm never going to complain about that. And you know, when we get to see Giannis uh, doing things like what we saw tonight, I mean, as a fan, it's it's obviously always going to be fun. Yeah, no question. And and it, look, that that probably was a little bit disrespectful of me going with Middleton on a on a night like this from Giannis. <laughs> to be fair, but come on, I mean, I, I think that was worth mentioning. And it's interesting you talk about the three point shooting and uh, like Middleton, Lopez, Wes Matthews, Dante, Ursan, Robin, and Pat combined to shoot over twenty from three. Giannis and Giannis brings the team home four for seven and. The big shot of the game, honestly, I mean, with uh, it was just over five minutes left in this game. Giannis hits his fourth dribble to make it 115-103. And again, you, you did mention that it got closer than you wanted it to down the stretch. And certainly, I was a little bit uh, on the edge of my seat when Giannis was at the free throw line there. And mm-hmm. then he misses the first. I'm like, oh, boy, come on, uh, you know, what's going to happen here? But yeah, it's just funny how that that was what it took. Giannis having this... Ultimately, a really good night at the free throw line on on high volume. Uh, easily his highest mark uh, of the season. Previously, his uh, high free throw attempts was eleven on the season, and then the four three points match a career high. So, not exactly your textbook Bucks win from that that sort of point of view. But in terms of Giannis dominance, I mean, he's just continued this role. This last three or four games has been something to watch. Yeah. And I mean, obviously it's always, I mean, it's never, you know, a typical Giannis performance when he hits four three pointers. (laughs) Um, But it was also strange. I mean, he finishes 10 out of 21. So, you know, do the math. He was just six out of 14 inside the arc, which is very atypical. I think he came into this game shooting 71% on twos. So obviously you would expect that to mean revert a bit. Um, But ironically, four out of seven uh, on, on threes, 0 for 5 on two-point jump shots. (laughs) So he was settling for a lot of jump shots. And, um, yeah, it was a little little interesting because I felt, I mean, his first shot was a fadeaway baseline jump shot, which was short. And, you know, it just felt like, why are we, you know, why are you starting with that shot, Giannis? You know, of all the shots to start with, that felt like not the one to to take. On Patterson? Um, 
Yeah, it's just very. It was a really weird start, and yeah. I think he was one out of six to start the game. One out of five, one out of six or so. Um, just you know, too many jump shots early, and then even a like an alley oop attempt from Bledsoe on a three on one, three on two that he just kind of mishandled, and and you know, nine times out of ten he, he dunks it. But uh, so yeah, just a slow start for him. Just four points in the first quarter. Um, he had a three. And kind of got, you know, a little bit going, had a putback dunk in the second quarter, has 13 points at intermission. Uh, and then in that third quarter, um, you know, started to get going a little bit more. Um, I think a couple of his threes came in uh, in the third, I believe. Uh, and he goes to the third, the fourth quarter. Um, I think it was three out of 10 from two and, and three out of five from three at that point. Um, but had still had 25 points because he, he was just feasting at the line. So I thought, I mean, I thought the Clippers did a really nice job of walling off the paint for the most part. Obviously, they, you know, they fouled a, a lot. Um, but in general, you know, if you can limit Giannis's attempts at the rim, I think he only had, I think he was, um, let's see, it looks like something like four out of five in the restricted area tonight, which, you know, in the grand scheme of, of slowing down Giannis, if you can limit him to just five attempts uh, at the at, at the uh, in the restricted area you'd be happy uh, especially given the way he's been shooting free throws so um so yeah I mean I think this was actually a, a very respectable to actually quite good defensive performance by the Clippers but um and I think they you know they they had sort of always that second man kind of helping out um kind of every step of the way but you know ultimately it was kind of just a force of will type game for Giannis and um, you know, again, his playmaking, uh, interesting. A lot of times it feels like he gets a lot of assists in the first half and then really trails off yeah. in the second half. But tonight, um, I think he had only three, maybe assists in the first half or something like that. I, it didn't seem like he ever had a lot in the first half. And then in the third, fourth quarters, um, he kept finding guys, Kyle Korver, uh, we mentioned it had those 14 points. Uh, Giannis was making sure to find him getting some, some assists that way. I was kind of joking that, you know, Bud was just keeping Corver out there in the fourth quarter long enough so that Giannis could get his triple-double. But um, ultimately, Bud wisely, I think, going away from Corver. Um, you know, we saw even after Corver went off the court, we started to see that kind of small, small pick-and-roll. Landry Shamit started to really hurt the Bucks with threes. Um, the last one was a bank three that was just a terrible yeah. shot that, you know, was frustrating to see go down because, you know, that kind of elongated the game a bit. And at that point, you would have thought the Bucks should have should have had the game. but. Um, you know, we've seen this Bucks team obviously blow big leads. I think they were, what was it, 117-103, I think, at one point um, in that fourth quarter where it seemed like, okay, the Bucks, you know, were now uh, in control. But, you know, credit to the, to the uh, Clippers. I mean, they, you know, they hit, what, 42% threes, I think. Um, but, you know, ultimately probably just didn't take enough of them over the course of the game. Just 31 attempts, which obviously is well below uh, average for, for a Bucks opponent. Um, but, you know, Lou Williams – Definitely did Lou Williams stuff in terms of getting the line, 13 free throws. Um, but, you know, you look at what Lou did inside the arc. I mean, he was 9 out of 27 uh, overall, 4 out of 9 on three. So just 5 out of 18 inside the arc. And I think you got to give Bledsoe and George Hill a lot of credit because, you know, for the most part, I thought they actually did a very nice job of um, staying connected with him, going over screens, and at least, you know, kind of making, making Lou feel them a little bit um, on those rear, you know, rear contests. Uh, so, you know, again, I thought Harold was great. 34 points on 25 shots. 
you know, he really went at the Lopez brothers, even with their size, his quickness, he was able to flip shots. I mean, his, his flip shot game oh, right man. now is, is really <laughs> impressive. Um, but, uh, you know, ultimately, obviously, just sort of the, the uh, and that, that's what's crazy about this team, right? I mean, Lou Williams and Montrezl Harrell, guys who last year were dueling for six man of the year awards, both of those guys just pop into the starting five tonight and drop a combined 68 points split evenly between the two of them, which I think, you know, is a reminder of, of why this, this Clippers team is one that, you know, I would say should be the, the odds on favorite to come out of the West. So, um, so yeah, again, I mean, Hey, would have been great to take care of business a little more cleanly and, and close them out with a little less drama. Um, would have been great for, you know, Chris Middleton to, not look like what he did tonight, but, um, you know, ultimately credit to Giannis Bledsoe and, and Hill, those guys really stepped up and obviously with a, a Clipper team that was missing, uh, two MVP candidates tonight. Um, you know, again, they took care of business and some things didn't go their way. 50 to 42 edge for the Clippers in the paint. You know, that that's been very, uh, contrary to what we've been seeing from the Bucks lately, but, um, you know, that, that two point percentage uh, that that I talk about a lot, forty two percent for the Clippers tonight. Obviously, nothing to write home about. Bucks just forty nine percent. So Clippers defended really well, but uh, ultimately, Bucks do enough and uh, they run their winning streak to four games. Which you know, anytime you can go out west and and win your first two uh, road games on a four game trip, you obviously feel very happy about that. And um, now you've got two more games that you know hopefully. Uh, I mean, hey, hopefully you win both, but you have at least, uh, you know, if you split them, you can still feel pretty good about that road trip going three and one. You know what my favorite part about this time of year is? Sweater weather. Leaves on the ground and threes from downtown. That's right. For some, it's fall season, but for the rest of us, it's ball season. And for me, it's actually summer. So just ignore this. Pro and college ball are tipping off and there's no better way to feel a part of the action than to have a stake in the game with mybookie.ag. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little to win a lot, then try Parlay. For instance, if you like a couple of the big favorites this week, Parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. Either way, if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. If you join right now, my bookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code LOCKEDONNBA to activate the offer. That's promo code LOCKEDONNBA to double your cash. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Yeah, and you touched on the third quarter where it felt like Giannis sort of uh, got a hold of the Clippers a little bit and really, and, and there was a couple of threes in there, as you mentioned, but uh, I tweeted it out and you spoke about this, the, the first half really domination of the Bucs and, and they go in at halftime with an, with an 11 point lead and, and uh, that now means after the, uh, the first half where the Bucs were slow out the gate against the Rockets, they're now plus 95 in, in first halves over the last seven games, which is a, a, an over a 13-point average margin at, at half time, And then all of a sudden, this game is tied up again halfway through the third quarter, and you're just like, well, these third quarter blues for the Bucs. I'm not sure what they're, they're doing at half time, But then Giannis actually does get a hold of them. But as you already mentioned, he struggles with a two-point shot. The, the strange thing is that uh, he went in at halftime three for nine from the field uh, he was actually only three for six from the field in the, in that 12-point third quarter. 
and two of those three made shots were the the threes and then the other one was that sort of pretty right-handed uh finish driving uh to the basket so uh, it was all at the free throw line and it was funny to look how the Clippers defended Giannis tonight because I, I, I know a couple of days ago when we quickly or briefly touched on this game and you mentioned the interesting sort of personnel that they had. And this was even before uh, Kawhi was ruled out of this one. You mentioned Zubats as a guy who has started for this team. Uh, prior to tonight, he'd started every game. That was not going to be a matchup for mine that was going to work out well for the Clippers. And Zubats only plays uh, eight minutes and you see. Uh, obviously, Montrezl Howell moves into the starting lineup. He plays 39 minutes. And then Jermichael Green was a guy who spent a lot of time at the four with 32. But yeah, Harrell's an interesting player for mine. I, I, just looking at the box score, I'm shocked that he only has one personal foul. Like that is incredible <laughs> to me. I mean, this guy, I don't know how you feel about this, but this is he's one of those players that is so physical on every single possession that I, I feel like the officials look at him sometimes and go, well, that's just Montrez. That's just what he does. Uh, you know, and they don't blow the whistle because uh, for him to spend so much time with... I mean, Giannis still attacked the paint, obviously, to get to the free throw line that many times. And for Harold, I only have one foul. is incredible. Yeah, and, and again, I mean, I think it, it sort of... Um, I, I think there was a... Was it against Harold? Uh, I, I thought maybe Giannis' most impressive play of the game was um, fairly late in the fourth quarter... Uh, they went to a post up for Giannis. Oh, the up and under on the left block, yeah. And oh, um, you know, I think I, I think it was Harold, right? Was. That yeah, that did. was defending him, and Harold, you know, held pretty well. Harold had drawn a, a an offensive foul on Giannis. I think maybe a possession or two before that, where he, you know, Giannis was kind of banging him with the shoulder, and Harold kind of smartly knew that Giannis was going to come with kind of a, a second, you know, kind of hard drive into him. And he just, you know, flopped over, which is smart. It was an offensive foul. And so it was, it was going to be interesting to see how Giannis played that second post up. And I think it was after, I want to say it was after a timeout. Right. Um, and uh, they, they go to Giannis and it looked like Harold had defended him really well. Giannis picks up his dribble um, kind of, you know, in that like no man's land type range where, you know, if it's Brooke Lopez, he's probably going to go to like kind of a fading, like righty hook slash one-handed jumper type shot. Giannis doesn't have that shot, right? So, you know, I was worried at that point, Giannis is going to have to shoot like a fadeaway jumper, which is not a great Giannis shot, but instead he kind of fakes it. And then, you know, Harold kind of, I don't know if, I I can't remember if he jumped, but he bit enough that Giannis was able to just step through and get all the way to the rim and lefty layup. Um, It was just a gorgeous move, which uh, again, you just, you know, he settled for a lot of jump shots tonight. Obviously the threes went in the two point jumpers for some reason didn't, but uh, I was just really happy to see him not settle for a jumper at that stage of the game, just because um, again, you know, Giannis can do that. Right. And I thought, you know, obviously the Clippers did a nice job defending him, you know, even on a night where he scores 38 points. And uh, I, I just thought that was a great, the, the, that was a great move. And, and just, you know, again, encouraging to see him do that at that stage of the game. Yeah, it's wild. That move was incredible. And it, it still like shocks me how often he does stuff that just completely boggles my mind. And like the, the length of that stride <laughs> on the step through is, is just completely ridiculous. But Interesting. I mean, we spoke about Milton right off the top and you certainly mentioned Bledsoe along with George Hill as, as two guys that were big contributors and, and Corver as well. But Bledsoe, what a weird night for him. I mean, statistically, he was, he was pretty good. I mean, he had 20 points, 
uh, eight for 14 uh, from the field, four for eight from three. So yeah, again, a really good night from two point uh, range for Bledsoe. He continues to look closer to the, to the Bledsoe we know from, from last regular season, but a couple of weird incidents for him. First of all, the flop, which I, I mean, I don't know. I guess because they called the offensive foul on Lou Williams, but, but, by the way, just to just to uh, speak about that incident and and that Bledsoe drew a foul on that play, and then you see George Hill nearly get his head clean knocked off his shoulders by Lou Williams later on in the game. Uh, I'm, I think George Hill might be feeling a little aggrieved that uh, Bledsoe got that call. But then in the fourth quarter, when this game, I, I was sort of sitting there and I was like, you know. I really just want this game to be finished. I want the Bucks to yeah. win. I know there's going to be just unnecessary drama. I, I felt like I spent the entire fourth quarter just looking at the clock saying, okay, let's just get this over with. And, and halfway through that, or was it in the third quarter? I'm not sure where Bledsoe just got the ball from the official and decided, I'm just going to walk <laughs> onto the court here. I, I know Giannis is right there, but no, I'm just going to take this myself. That, I, first off, I have never seen... I have never seen a play like this. If you did not see it uh, and you're confused by what Kane is describing, it, it was like the ref checked the ball to him in a pickup <laughs> game and he just was like, okay, ball's in and just literally dribbled the ball, started walking. He was out of bounds and then he's given the ball and he just starts dribbling on, onto the court and going up the court as though that's like a thing that was ever allowed in the sport of basketball. Completely baffling. Um, I, uh, you know, I, I don't even know, you don't even know what to say about it. It's, it's like so boneheaded. You just have to laugh, I guess. Um, so I'm, I'm very curious. Uh, I demand Eric uh, provide us some, some blood. So quotes <laughs> about what on earth he was going through his mind at that stage of the game. Um, because uh, yeah, you know, point guards probably generally are pretty experienced at catching <laughs> the ball and dribbling up court. Maybe he was so not used to inbounding the ball. I don't know, Eric. Um, I, I, I think we expect you to just figure it out, but yeah, that play was again that 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 I I mean that's going to be Shacked in the Fool. Oh like, man, that, that might be a whole position on Shacked in the Fool for yeah. like the most bizarre play of the season, right? Um, so yes, that was very very strange. Um, but uh, again, not to uh, distract from what was otherwise a, a very good night from Bledsoe, and yeah, it, it's interesting because he was involved in a a few different plays that were controversial because he, you know, pretty blatantly flops on the offensive foul that I was surprised it didn't get overturned. Yeah, um, me too. I, thought, I thought Doc Rivers smartly, I think the, the Bucks were up seven at that point midway through the fourth. I thought Doc Rivers smartly called a timeout and challenged um, that play because, you know, Lou sort of stuck his elbow out, but then it looked like Bledsoe's head just sort of like went into his, kind of shoulder um, without any real intent or movement from Lou. And so the fact that that was, you know, upheld surprised me, but then, you know, the flip side was you mentioned Hill. I mean, George Hill taking a, you know, an elbow to the eye socket, trying to get around a screen that doesn't get called on a Lou Williams three point make in the final minute, which, you know, again, kept the, uh, kept the Clippers within touching distance. And I thought uh, it was interesting because then Bud challenged a charge uh, taken by Pat Beverly on Bledsoe, which, to be honest, I thought if they're applying the standard the same way we saw it applied against Giannis uh, in Minnesota the other night, I mean, 
to me, Bledsoe is clearly going up for his uh, the layup attempt as Beverly is still sliding out from under the restricted area into you know his his defensive position. And again, that is a call that very commonly goes to the defensive player. Like I, I'm not I'm not surprised that they called that live as a charge. But I think you know again the rule says you can't you can't be moving into your position as the player is going into uh, his upward shooting motion. And I, I think if you watch the play, I mean, Bledsoe was clearly like had picked the ball up and was, was going into his motion is into the layup when Pat was still moving, but you do kind of wonder how much maybe did they not overturn it because they hadn't done, yeah. they hadn't overturned <laughs> that, that chart, that flop by Bledsoe. So I don't know. I mean, I, I, again, it's sort of one of those things that sort of evened out, I guess you could argue, but um, they were certainly big plays there uh, late in that game, which, you know, kind of things go one way or another. Um, you know, who knows how, how the game turns out. Yeah, I, I had the same thought when they were reviewing it. I was like, well, I don't know if Bledsoe is going to come out on top of, of both these um, challenges and and yeah, I mean the the Bledsoe one. I I was I was convinced that that the uh, the offensive the flop on Bledsoe I'm talking about. I was convinced that that one was getting uh, overturned. I, I could not yeah. believe that they held that. Um, I guess there. I don't know. I mean, I guess the rule says if there's some contact with the face, and and Lou Williams might have brushed Bledsoe's facial hair. I would say there was not much more than that. But yeah, again, a couple of uh, of weird plays in this one, but. It was interesting to see Kyle Corver playing some some real fourth quarter minutes. I mean, he wasn't in there at the absolute um, crunch time in the in the last couple of minutes, but uh, came up with a couple of big shots. and And for him to finish, uh, I, I believe he was five for nine from three. He's a uh, four for seven actually. Yeah, four for seven from three. So uh, the Bucks two Gunners, uh, Giannis and Corver, both four <laughs> for seven from three on the night. But yeah, hey, Corver came up with some with some big shots here. The one at the end of the first half. Uh, to beat the buzzer, and then uh, obviously a big one in the fourth quarter. Uh, you can see again that that not big minutes for Kyle Corver, only 15, 15 there. But uh, if he's going to get up some some quick shots, particularly with with Giannis on the floor, you can see how he might be used in these types of situations uh, late in games. Yeah, I mean, there's, um, I mean, I think there's some interesting things happening lineup wise. You know, uh, eight minutes into the first quarter, we see the all bench yeah. checking line uh, get trotted out, which again, I just don't think it makes sense to, to run out your, your full bench unit um, that early in a game. I mean, come on, like one of Bledsoe Middleton and Giannis has to be able to play, you know, 10 or 11 minutes in the for, in the first quarter. It, Cause you're really just trying to bridge the gap for when Giannis comes back usually late in the first quarter. So I, I just, it just seems pretty obvious that, you know, just, run Chris out there for 10, 10 or 11 minutes. Right. And that's what they um, did last year. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just, I I'm, I'm just kind of confused that, that especially without Brogdon, that, um, that doesn't seem like a more obvious thing to try. Um, and, and I don't know, I don't know if it's because Bud is, he's got all these wings and he wants to get, uh, his wings, the, the, the bench wings in early or something like that. But it's just like, you know, like those guys, you, you can't run offense through them the same way. Now, Tonight, you could argue getting Chris on the bench as soon as possible was a positive because he was terrible. But, you know, generally speaking, um, I, I'm not a huge fan of that. Now, I looked at the numbers. So Giannis, Bledsoe, Middleton list lineups are like 
have been wildly successful in a small sample thus far. I think they've, I think it's like, I don't I forget what, what the exact number was, but on cleaning the glass, like it has not been actually a, a, a negative at all thus far, but you know, again, do I believe that, you know, that that's some sort of sustainable thing? No. Um, pretty much it's because teams have just not been able to make shots against those bench lineups, which again, like, you know, I think that's mostly coincidence at this point. So, um, so we saw that, which I, I don't like um, that said, it feels like Bud is, grasping that when you put Corver in, you really want him on the court with Giannis. Uh, so it feels like, you know, again, just anecdotally, it feels like we're seeing Giannis and Corver overlap um, frequently. Now, not all the time, you know, occasionally Corver will be in there with like an all bench unit and I just want to like, you know, throw my arms up, but, um, but there's that. It also seems like um, uh, when Giannis is coming back, um, he's getting uh Rolo. So, or, or they're making sure that he's, let's just say this, he's not out there with Rolo as much as he could be, which I think is smart because again, like if there's anybody on this team that like does not compliment Giannis, it's Robin Lopez. Cause right now, you know, he hasn't shown any ability to hit a three consistently. Teams don't expect him to hit three. So they're not, you know, there's no gravitational effect, even if he does hit an odd three. And, you know, again, like he just hasn't, I mean, I think Robin's been pretty disappointing so far. Uh, he has been a plus player in a net rating from a net rating perspective, but um, again, like, probably a lot of noise in that. So I like that we've seen more Giannis and Ursan together um, because again, I just think Ursan, the way he spaces the floor, I think just makes more sense with Giannis. Um, so anyway, so yeah, there's the, the, at least a few things that we're seeing uh, in terms of maybe some early trends. Um, and tonight, uh, you know, let's see what he ended up going uh, 11 guys deep. Um, so Corver and DiVincenzo and Connaughton all uh, in the rotation off the bench among the wings, Dante, let's just say looking like a young player four fouls in 14 minutes, mm -hmm. didn't score a point. Um, you know, he obviously was, was, did not look like the guy who's been playing really well of late, um, missed a couple of shots and from three and, and that was, you know, pretty much it. Uh, but did have to come in late in the game, uh, after Hill took that elbow and his, and his eye started to, to swell up a bit. So some random late minutes for, for Dante after, after that. But, um, for the most part, you know, Connaughton and DiVincenzo, nothing doing tonight. Ursan, nothing doing tonight. Those guys combined 0 for 7. Um, Rolo hit three short shots, missed three threes. Um, and, and Corver though, big with, with those shots. Cause you know, basically let's see 38, 45, 47 points from the Bucks bench compared to 20 points from the Clipper bench. Not surprising given the Clippers started, you know, the two guys who have historically been their awesome bench guys. Yeah. And, and probably just one other sort of, Odd number, I guess that that stands out uh, from the from the night would be we, we spoke about rebounding a little bit, particularly offensive rebounding. And we watch the Bucks, and and generally their guards are actually the ones that that tend to to fly in for those uh, offensive rebounds. You know, uh, George Hill historically has been a pretty pretty good on the offensive glass, as has Bledsoe tonight. It's funny, just it's an odd number to look at and see uh, Brook Lopez with twelve uh, rebounds yeah. and three three of them coming on the offensive glass. And I, I was just uh, I look through those numbers because, again, that's something that stands out. And, and Lopez in the regular season last year uh, had never had more than two offensive rebounds in a game, mm. only got to double digits three times. And the only time he actually had more rebounds than that in a game was in that just that ridiculous game one 29-point uh, effort against the, the Raptors in the conference finals. So, yeah, you talk about an outlier <laughs> performance on, on the glass. That was Lopez, and it, it stuck out to me because it was that basket earlier in the – I think it was in the first half when the Bucks were sort of struggling for points, and Lopez 
uh, got that put back because uh, yeah, for a guy that's so big, we know generally he's a guy, a big body in there that does allow those guards to to hit the glass. But yeah, kind of a, an interesting performance from him uh, rebounding the ball tonight. Yeah, both teams um, had a 26% offensive rebound rate, yeah. which is, I think, roughly twice <laughs> twice what the Bucks <laughs> have been at this season. I um, I don't know if we were talking about the pot or if I just tweeted it out, but the Bucks have been a historically terrible offensive rebounding team to date. Um, obviously, Brooke makes sense. He doesn't get a lot of offensive rebounds because he's always parked out, you know, 27 feet from the basket. So hard to hard to get offensive rebounds there. Um, and so interesting to see the Bucks again. Not a huge offensive rebounding night, um, but four offensive rebounds from Giannis, three from Brooke, as you mentioned, uh, a couple each from uh, Ilya Silva and George Hill. One of them being a really big oh, yeah. uh, George Hill two-handed putback dunk uh, late in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, since last year, Eric and I have pondered why George Hill so often ends up kind of like in the dunker spot there, you know, kind of to the side of the basket. Uh, weird place for a point guard to be. Oftentimes <laughs> last year, he was kind of mucking up the offense when Giannis would drive because he's kind of just randomly hanging out down there. Um, but tonight, George Hill is hanging out in the dunker spot. He turned on a wide open three on that possession that would have been potentially Giannis' assist, yeah. tenth assist. Um, instead, attacks, drives, Bledsoe ends up having to kind of put up a, a mid-range jumper late in the clock, which was not great. But uh, fortunately, Hill was hanging out right by the basket and, and ends up getting that that put-back dunk, which, again, you would not expect the Bucks to make, uh, you know, f- for, for the Bucks to get big baskets, you don't expect them to be on offensive rebounds. Um, but we saw more of that tonight than certainly we've been seeing this season. Um, not a great night for the Bucks. I mean, again, 74% defensive rebound rate. Uh, below what they're usually at they're usually much better than that um, right around 80 percent but again you know overall uh, you'll take it turnover margin um, uh, Clippers 19 turnovers Bucks 15 so pretty close there but obviously you know nice to have a little bit of an advantage there on a night when um, you know the free throw battle was was pretty much even more more fouls and I think you you certainly would like if you're the Bucks 28 fouls for each team 34 free throws for the Bucks 36 for for LA so that's been an issue for the Bucks early in the season compared to last year when they were great at not fouling not sending teams to the free throw line um, again tonight uh, falling victim to a lot of uh, Lou Williams and, and Montrez Harrell uh, doing it in very different ways but um, but uh, but certainly you know something again you they survived it and again. Um, Interesting, the Clippers, only 31 three-point attempts. You know, they shoot really well from three, but ultimately didn't shoot enough of them. Bucks take 49, hit 18, 37%. Um, and, uh, you know, again, uh, these small things obviously ultimately are, are the difference in a, in a game like this, which ultimately comes down to only a, a couple possessions, even even though the Bucks probably could have had a, a much easier time of it, you know, in the fourth quarter. Yeah, it was funny, actually, you, you touched on the three-point shooting. The Clippers, uh, I sort of mentioned it yesterday, yeah, the, the Clippers and, and Spurs are, are two teams that stand out that, and it probably doesn't surprise you with the with the coaches they have, but they just don't fire away, certainly anywhere near the Bucks who get up nearly 50 tonight. But you mentioned early in the game going under some of those Beverly screens. Uh, I mean, he was, he was shooting 12% from three coming into tonight, and maybe that uh, extra airspace gets him going a little bit. He was three for four, but... Uh, another strange night for for the Bucks. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I always am kind of wary of these games where I wouldn't be concerned about the Bucks getting up for this game with Kawhi Leonard playing. It seems to be the type of matchup that they enjoy, particularly Giannis. I mean, not that not that he had any troubles tonight, but 
Uh, I think when Kawhi Leonard goes out, I don't know. It's a, it's, it's a strange situation. And the Clippers, you know, credit to them. I mean, we saw them in the, in the playoffs last year. I mean, this is a team that is just going to play hard, even if they don't have Kawhi or, or uh, Paul George out there. So probably was drawn out uh, longer than, than, than we hoped. But in the end, uh, I guess it, you have an MVP on your roster and, and that's what he's there for. And uh, just a, another pretty special night for Giannis. Yeah, and uh, I, again, I mean, you know, especially early in the season here, you're not necessarily always firing at all cylinders, but I think just kind of macro, some trends we're seeing, Giannis dominant. <laughs> and in a game like this, to see Giannis dominating, obviously hitting some threes, we'll see if if that kind of maybe um, some confidence from three and from the line. Again, you hope maybe there's a little bit of carryover, a little bit, a little bit of momentum, um, or at a minimum, he doesn't fall into a deep, deep slump. Um, so hopefully those are positives. And then obviously Bledsoe having a, another game where overall you're you're very happy in spite of uh, maybe his his random aneurysm he suffered on that inbound. Um, good to see him obviously playing, you know, at, uh, at a continued high level and, and hitting threes as well, because obviously he was a guy that um, even here in these last few games where he's played well, he was not hitting threes. So this was a new thing for him to come out and, and confidently hit threes early in the game. And I mean, George Hill, right. Um, I mean, last year, I felt like the, I mean, the bucks were very good with Hill on the court last year. He did, I think, nice work with the bench unit, but he was really passive and he didn't make shots really until the last month of the season. I mean, his three point percentage, he was under 30% um, from three uh, and took a long time to really kind of get going and then started to play really well once Brogdon got hurt and then continued to play really well in the playoffs, which was obviously huge. That's why the Bucks obviously were you know so interested in bringing him back. And um, you never know with guys, you know, in their early thirties, like at what point, do they begin to tail off very noticeably? And so um, for him to come out this season, he has played really well here early in the season. And I mean, that's critical, right? I mean, uh, you know, without Brogdon, you really need George Hill to step up, make threes, make plays, get to the rim, um, do the kind of things that I think George Hill is capable of doing, especially, you know, on both ends, right? We, We know it's really valuable to have both Bledsoe and, and Hill be able to defend at a high level against you know ball handlers initiators um that teams have so um shout out to george hill for you know even at his age uh still looking really good here early in the season and and obviously you just hope you can keep uh, everybody healthy and you can kind of hopefully keep uh keep this type of play going and um you know tonight on a night when philadelphia loses in utah where the bucks are going to be heading in a couple nights um you know always good to be making up ground on teams that you know you know you're probably going to be fighting with for playoff positioning over the course of the season. So Bucks improving to six and two uh, Celtics, uh, I believe, yeah, five and one. So technically Celtics still leading the East right now, but um, Bucks are the first team in the East to get to six wins. And uh, again, hard to expect four and no road trips um, just on general principle. So we'll see how the last couple of games go. I guess it would be very fitting if the Bucks were to, win in Utah and then, uh, you know, lose the last game in Oklahoma city where, you know, that's the one team you probably would have felt like you could, you could beat. But, um, again, you just hope that they kind of keep this general momentum going. And, and again, um, hopefully Chris Middleton, uh, you know, can pass a breathalyzer in, uh, in Oklahoma city on Friday. <laughs> 
<laughs> Sorry, Chris. Well, you know we're normally fans, but come on, dude. Tonight was a disaster. No, I, I spent yesterday's solo pod defending Chris. I'm posting all these numbers on Twitter today. And and now I, I almost wanted to send Eric a text uh, during that game to check his uh, wrist for the for the nightclub stamp to see whether he <laughs> to see whether he washed it off. I was like, come on, man, you can't do this to me. But yeah, you, you said. I mean, early in the season, it's all about just uh, accumulating those wins. And uh, we've seen firsthand that you know you playing your best basketball in early November is not exactly uh, that meaningful when when it comes to the business end of the season. So uh, another win, and, and you'll take it. But uh, before I wrap this up, the podcast was brought to you by Indochino. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. Start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering Locked On at the checkout. Thanks for staying up, Frank. Always easier to do it after a Bucks win, after an MVP performance from Giannis. Uh, so... Yeah, uh, enjoy the rest of your what is it afternoon there right now? I'm I'm about to head to bed. It's 12:34, but uh, you know, no better reason to stay up than than Milwaukee Bucks winning basketball games. Yeah, 5:30 p.m. over here on oh. Thursday, and it's uh, oh, it's a little happy hour, a little happy yeah. hour for you. Yeah, I, I'm. You know what? I might just uh, crack a little old uh, brewski while I edit this uh, podcast up and uh, get it up there. But get a get a get a get a Foster's and eat some Vegemite. Maybe uh, you know pet your your wallaby or whatever while you while you edit some audio yeah it'll be a good australian night for you you know i never actually had drank fosters and uh i was i was hanging out with prateek patel and uh uh gabe neitzel uh, from espn milwaukee when i was still in milwaukee and and gabe or it might have been prateek had a bunch of these like i I mean they were the biggest cans you know like like the the fosters cans off the the simpsons and uh seriously we we all had one of those and Honestly, I feel like I was hungover for about three days after it. So um, that probably justifies why no one in Australia drinks Fosters. But uh, but yeah, no, it was a late one for you. So I, I appreciate that. But, but uh, okay, should we leave people with? I've, I have Giannis's updated uh, stats in front of me. Should we leave people with this on a, on a nice positive note? I feel like Giannis pretty good. So I, yeah, 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 Giannis. These are just his raw numbers. So Giannis, thirty-two point two minutes per game, slightly down from last year. 29 points per game even, 59% from the field, 20 27% from three, up to 64% from the foul line, 14.3 rebounds per game, 7.6 assists per game, <laughs> 1.3 steals, 1.6 blocks. He's good. He's very good at basketball. Eighth double-double in a row to start this season. I think that matches a, a career high as well. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he's just off to a ridiculous start, even though after a couple of games, we're like, oh, you know, Giannis is uh, still putting up these huge numbers, but not at his absolute best. But, yeah, we will leave it there. We'll let Frank get some sleep. But uh, as you sort of touched on the Bucks, head to Utah now. That will be a Friday night game. I feel confident in saying that's a Friday game. Uh, for Frank Madden and myself, Kane Pittman, I'll speak to you tomorrow.